0: From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello
1: and welcome to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio, the local cricket show where we ran up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, Histon's Ed Hyde sits in for Callum, who is away as co-host. We're joined by Cambridge University men's captain Nick Taylor as well to discuss their recent four-day victory over Oxford in the varsity match. We'll also run up the Camden Hunts Premier League following the playoff semi finals in the first division and also the EAPL, East Angland Premier League, as the group stages head towards their conclusion for our local sides. Ed will also be representing Callum in the latest Beat the Guest quiz. Of course, Ed, the reigning from the Pavilion New Year's Day quiz champion, so no pressure, Ed, he'll be going up against Nick. If you want to contribute to the show, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks, Rich, for tuning in. My name is Ollie Slack. Delighted to welcome on a guest co-host appearance for Houston's Ed Hyde. Ed, thank you very much for coming on.
2: No problem. Um, big shoes to fill.
1: <laughs> yeah, big shoes to fill. Callum is not here this week. I'm sure you do a grand job. Quizzing-wise, you've got a great reputation, so that's a good place to start. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> Good, good. And uh, also great pleasure to welcome on to the show uh, Cambridge University skipper Nick Taylor. Nick, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Thanks very much for, for coming on. Are you well?
3: Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, very good.
1: Good. How has uh, lockdown been for you the past? where every time I ask this, it gets longer, five or six months?
3: Yeah, it's been, it's been OK. It's been sort of, I don't know, it started off at least productive work-wise, but working from home has just got got a little bit tedious um so very much nice to be back playing some sport and stuff going a little bit back to normality
1: yeah things are starting to return back to normal it seems uh, with the sporting sense of course fans allowed back in stadiums to a degree limited capacity ed for you the last time we had you on the show was one of our lockdown podcasts where we we're basically just wasting a whole lot of time during the day to waffle on about cricket um but actually nice to have you on and talk about some proper cricket
2: yeah, absolutely. I think we were talking about um, Boris's vector of disease <laughs> um, and we we're all pretty fed up and, and frustrated and wondering whether we'd play any cricket this season. So, um, yeah, it's nice to be back and having played some cricket and having some cricket to talk about.
1: Yeah, we've gone full circle because we're now nearing the end of the, the season, especially in well, in all, in all cricket circles of the Campson Nights Premier League as well, which we'll come on to later in regards to Histon, Let's start with the varsity, though. And uh, some great news for Cambridge fans or people of the the Cambridge area as uh, they were victorious over Oxford in the four-day match at Fenners. Cambridge won by 249 runs. Unfortunately, a a couple of days or a few days earlier, uh, Cambridge lost to Oxford in the one-day match. But uh, great news, the victory in the four-day match at Fenners. Uh, In regards to the scorecard, Cambridge won the toss and batted first, 307 all out. Oxford reply in the first innings was 129 all out, a uh, six for for James Vitali. Uh, in the second innings, Cambridge posted 257 all out. Uh, Peter Devos Denil 125, and Oxford uh, could only muster 186 in the final innings of the match, meaning Cambridge won by a healthy, healthy margin of 249 runs. Let's start and go to the skipper, Nick. What a feeling! What a victory! I imagine.
3: Yeah, really, really rewarding actually. Um... A really sort of enjoyable few days, um, having bounced back from a really tough day in Oxford last Tuesday. Um, so yeah, really, really proud of the guys for putting in a, a serious shift over four days to to actually put in a, a really clinical performance. You know, we we felt like we pretty much we we set up the game on day one and got in a really strong position, and from there it was just clinical. The guys bowled beautifully. Um, stunning hundred from Peter in the second innings uh, and then yeah sort of cleaned it up on days three and four
1: yeah if you look at the scorecard um, and you've backed this point up by saying it Nick is that it looked an absolutely clinical performance uh, a pretty one-sided affair getting first innings runs is always crucial especially when you win the toss and, and put them in and put yourself into bats you want to get those first innings runs Ed it was a, a really really convincing victory
2: yeah um, yeah, it was quite a funny week, actually, because we hadn't played any games together. Um, and then, we, as Nick said, we had that, we had that uh, defeat at Oxford. Um, so to come back in the manner we did and to, to pretty much win every session um, was hugely... was quite surprising in some ways, but hugely pleasing. Um, um, yeah, it was a great few days.
1: And Nick, for you personally, I think uh, last year's result in the four-day game, Oxford won uh, that one by... Eight wickets, um, so nice to get a bit of revenge.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was nice to um, to sort of have another go uh, back at Fenners as well. It's, it's quite unusual to have two years in a row playing the four-day game at the same venue. Um, because of COVID, we couldn't play at the University Parks because there's no, no way you'd play that four-day game behind closed doors. Um, but yeah, nice to sort of right some wrongs and put in a good performance. Um, so, yeah, yeah,
1: really, really enjoyable. And given a, a university skipper's, I guess, lifespan as captain is relatively short compared to if you're a captain of a club side, you might do it for a number of years. Is it even more sweeter when you get the victory because you've was taken your chance in the, the few years that you get?
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was a big goal of mine, um, particularly with it being the last first-class game this year. It was really important to me that actually... Uh, we end on a on a good note in that respect. Um, it's potentially the last sort of British university match that will have first-class status with uh, the changes to the MCCU structure and, and that sort of thing. So for me, yeah, personally, it was a huge goal of mine to to win that game and to win it in the manner we did was was even better.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the slight change um, in, in the future with regards to the first-class status being removed, but the history... Uh, lives on. If you look over a number of years, you know there haven't been too many breaks in the series. Of course, for the the, the two wars in the in the twentieth century, and of course a few games then uh, before that in the nineteenth century. But if you look over the, years, Cambridge have won sixty one, Oxford fifty eight, and there have been fifty six matches drawn. So, Ed, is it nice to I guess carry on that that legacy and, and make sure Cambridge is still ahead in the air uh, the head to head.
2: Absolutely, um, I think all players are aware of the the history that's behind the fixture. Um, whilst you're playing in it, um, yeah, and that makes it that makes it even more special to be part of. And as Nick said, it was the last potentially the last year this year for the first class status. So to uh, to have a great four days and end on a end on a victory was awesome.
1: I don't think it was quite just four days. though, was it, just judging by the social media action, there was a four day celebration afterwards. And is it still going on?
4: <laughs> yeah, um, we're,
1: I we're, think...
3: we're we're still going. Really, I mean, it's well Sunday was the big one. Um, but yeah, we've got a few of the guys coming. We're, we're hoping to sort of meet up and, and watch some of the T20 later on uh, this evening.
1: I was going to say, this is on radio. I can let you know that the listeners listening that uh, Ed Hyde has got about six cans of lager behind him, all empty, trailing in his bedroom. <laughs> of course that- <laughs> of course, that isn't the case, but great to see you and you and absolutely deserve to. Uh, with regards to individual performances in the match, uh, a couple of shout-outs uh, when I was reading out the scorecard for James Vitali for a six for really restricting Oxford to 129 all out. I guess that really put you well ahead in the game and that was a crucial part of the match, which meant that you had the upper hand going into the second innings.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, actually, the two opening bowlers, so James James, and uh, Porek, our other opening bowl of bowl, really good areas. Um, you know, and on the pitch we we're playing on, if you put it in the right spot, eventually one's going to do a bit and we got some key wickets that way. But, you know, they they just sort of relentlessly plugged away, putting the ball in the right spots and um, asking the right questions and that really um, brought in some some great rewards. Um, one other mention will go to ERB Hyde for, for 55 in the first innings. So I think that in the final session, really. Um, yeah, you know, there's a time where we could have ended up 200 all out, and that would have been a sort of momentum shift. So to get up to 300 plus uh, on, the, on the second morning was was perfect and really put us in a strong position.
1: And uh, and with regards to the uh, second innings, so we mentioned obviously Peter, DeVos, D'Neal, but 125, I guess that was just the glue, head, was it that, that held that second innings together?
2: Yeah. Uh, it definitely was, um, and for we we usually have a couple of multi-day matches in um, in preparation for this four-day match in a, in, a, in a normal season, um, and for Peter to occupy the crease uh, as well as score at a good rate um, with no end in um, was was awesome, um, and yeah, he fairly deserved his hundreds. Um, he's he's been working really hard the past few months trying to get any games of cricket he can. Um, yeah, and it was thoroughly deserved.
1: Uh, and Nick, how much cricket have you actually managed to, to play this year? Obviously, because of the COVID restrictions, if you head on the, the Cambridge Uni website, pretty much most matches, well, pretty much all the matches in the, the, the lockdown period, of course, have been cancelled because of COVID. If you actually managed to play much cricket as a team this year?
3: Yeah, so that was a really frustrating one, I guess. Uh, we were about three days away from heading out on tour. Um, so we would have been heading out to Desert Springs in Spain uh, for a training camp in March and then of course lockdown put an end to that and then sort of I remember back in March hoping that you know maybe we'll be in lockdown for a month or two months but we might still get some sort of substantial sort of university cricket in Um, as it happened it was a it was a longer more frustrating wait than than probably we first anticipated so in in the end, we managed to get uh, one game in preparation, but given that people were scattered all over the country, the side that we put out for that was a sort of mixed ones and twos side. Uh, we had another game lined up at Saffron Malden, uh, which would have been ideal prep uh, for us. And then, of course, it tipped it down with rain. So sadly, we didn't get to play that. So we basically had one game as preparation and, and managed to do some netting sort of in small groups where we could. Um, But yeah, it was a a bit of a strange one to go into it feeling a little bit undercooked. You know, we've had guys playing club cricket, um, which individually helps, but having really not played as a side until last Tuesday, um, I was actually very impressed by the way that the guys pulled together, um, particularly in the four-day game and formed actually quite a good sort of unit, despite having not had that that sort of serious amount of time, like game time, under their belts.
1: Assume that made the the win even even sweeter, given the the lack of time you've actually played cricket together and probably actually seen uh, the lads together over the past few months.
3: Yeah, I mean there were some guys who who obviously had, had looked quality all winter, but it's very hard to know until you get out in the middle <laughs> how those guys are going to perform. And and they really impressed me. Actually, I, I think everybody in that side, you know, much as there were one or two individual performances that stood out. Actually, if you look at the first innings, everybody really contributed there. Um, our fielding was surprisingly, you know, much better than it has mm-hmm. been. It's been pretty poor at times over the last few years. And actually we were we were pretty sharp, I would say, particularly in the four day game, you know, in that one day match, possibly still a little bit rusty, working out who should go where, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, and I think Peter was a, was a big part of that as well, actually. Is, um, he's a little bit older. Uh, he was doing a, an MBA, um, so a master's in the business school. And uh, some of those sort of business character traits seem to come out of, you know, trying to really get everyone pulled together. And actually, I think that, that really helped galvanize into a, a team unit, um, despite the fact that we, we basically never played a game together.
1: Yeah, well, congratulations once again on the win. Ed, just quickly, lastly, on the the varsity, um, I'm probably going to guess your answer, but what means more, the the one-day match or the four-day game?
2: Oh, the four-day match, 100%. Yeah, you can't. It's uh, Oxford only award a blue for the four-day match, Um, so they they hold it in higher regard than the 50-over match. But I think over the four days to outclass another team, um, I think takes more. Um, both mentally and physically than say a 50 over match so for me it's the four day match it may be different for other guys but yeah definitely the four
1: day and of course Covid pending are you two staying on for next year to be involved? yeah Yeah, I'm around
2: that shit.
3: yeah I have a couple more years of sort of never ending uni so (laughs) I'll still be around for a couple of years
1: Good to hear. Well, good. Uh, glad Cambridge University Cricket Club is in. It's in pretty good hands, it seems, at the minute. Uh, congratulations once again, guys. Let's move on to the local village town slash cricket club. scene now, and uh, chat about the Camps and Hunts Premier League. Starting with Division One, known as Wyatts Partners Division One. It was playoff weekend as St Ives Town and Warboys took on Foxton, and St Ives Town and Warboys ran out eighty-five run winners. So amazing, really, their first year in the Cambs and Hunts Premier League Division One. And uh, they have made it through to the playoff final. Now, Amit Gapta with 66. Kevin Gildzer with 3 for 28. Also getting the crucial wicket of Craig Park for Foxton. Of course, Cam's player for 44. And in the other semi-final, Eaton Soken took on Histon. Of course, Histon won the uh, the, the original group. Uh, Eaton Soken batted first 191 all out of 37.4. Histon chased it down with three wickets and nine balls to spare. So probably, Ed... A little bit more nervy than perhaps some of your your victories this season, but all in all, when you look on paper, you're in the final against North Town and Warboys.
2: Yeah, um, it was a great performance. Um, we've relied quite heavily on Will Brown's runs um, over the past few weeks. Um, he didn't get any this week, and it was it was really nice to see Jake Alcock and Toby Saunders um, get fifties and and see us home. Um, there's sort of engine room in our middle order and for those guys to, to step up step up when they've not really had that much of a bat this year. Um it was great to see.
1: I don't want to sort of be the pessimist considering you've pretty much well, not transfer league but been very dominant in the league this season. But the game you did lose was against St town and Warboys and you come up against them in the final. Is that a potentially a few sort of battle scars still in the mind, maybe going into it?
2: Uh, I think so yeah, I think so. I think Gesty mentioned it last week or a couple of weeks ago on the show that when you when you play the same guys um, in a season or year in, year out, those those scars do remain and they do in the minds. Um, and St Ives thoroughly outclassed us when we played them a few weeks ago. So that will be in the back of our minds. Um, but we're playing at an, uh, a neutral ground, Eaton and Soken. We've got a few more games uh, under our belts since then. So yes, it'll, it'll be in the back of our mind. but um, I think we'll, we've gained confidence since that defeat.
1: Well, all the best for that uh, this weekend. Let's just run through the Division 2 playoffs uh, well, Carson Ellsworth, who are the winners of the North Group, take on Old Leesians, who were second in the West Group. Uh, that takes place this weekend. Saffron Walden Twos, who are winners of the Southeast Group, have conceded against Southfield Park, winners of the West Group. So it looks like in the final of the Division Two playoffs, it will be between Carson Ellsworth and Old Leesians. Then they'll play against Southfield Parks. We'll keep up to date with that. Over the uh, the coming weeks. Uh, lastly, let's touch on the East Anglian Premier League wins in the North Group on Saturday for Cambridge, Swordston and Mildenhall, and in the South Group for Sorcerne of Abraham, Frinton on Sea and Sudbury. So, with regards to the tables, it's Almost mathematically a two-horse race between Swardston and Mildenall in the north group. Great Wichigan would have to win and Swordston and Mildenall would have to pick up pretty much no bonus points in the next two games, which isn't going to happen. So it looks like it's between those two. And it's definitely a two-horse race in the south group between Swardston and Beaverham and Sudbury. Now, it's it's worked out quite nicely in that in the last week of the East England Premier League group stages, both... Swaston and Mildenhall in the North group and Sawston Sud- and Bay Sudbury play each other so it's effectively a playoff semi-final heading into then there will be the final the following week and Nick of course you're playing for, for Cambridge in the in the Premier League those sides I'd imagine have been the outstanding ones uh, this season sitting in the top two of both in the North and South group respectively who would you uh, tip for the, the final
3: yeah so I imagine it'll be I think it'll stay as it is to be honest I think it'll be Swarston uh, playing Swarston and um, I'd like to think that it, it might be different. We've got Swarzen this Saturday. Um, so hopefully if we put in a good performance, then potentially Milton Hall could, could edge it. Um, but I mean, those both of those sides have been really strong all year. Certainly Swardsden, always a, a really strong club side. So, uh, And Swardsden really impressed coming into the Premier League this year.
1: Yeah, they certainly have. Of course, Cambridge, you were the guys who, who beat... Swordston and, and and condemn them to their only loss, I believe, uh, this campaign so far. But a cracking win for you guys uh, on the weekend. We'll hear from Johnny Atkinson in just a bit. But with regards to the actual game, from from your own perspective, Cambridge posted uh, two hundred and seventy nine for five off fifty, and uh, and then Great Witchingham with two hundred and seventy six for eight off fifty overs. Who had the uh, who had the pleasure of bowling the last over to try and keep Great Witchingham out?
3: Uh, so I believe it was Zerm. I was sort of checking the scorecard from from Fener's, um because it was as we were finishing up our, our Varsity game, but I believe it was Zermaktar, Uh and yeah, I think it, it sounded like a, a great performance. I think uh, managed to pick up a wicket and managed to keep it down to about four or five runs off that over. Um, so it sounds like a seriously good game coming down to the last over uh, with a, a win, a tie or a loss, all certainly possible at that stage.
1: Yeah, we'll hear from John Axon in, in just a little bit. But just regards to, to Cambridge, I think you'll probably be quite encouraged by, by this season's form. Nick, obviously, it's a very, very competitive league, is East England Premier League. But victories against Swarston and now Great Wichingham as well, two of the top sides.
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that Swartzen game was a, a great game for us. Um, a, a sort of elegant, sort of stunning 100 from DK on number three um, at, at a runner ball and then uh, Chris Pepper coming in and, and hitting a few bombs at the end. Um, so chasing down 312 in that game was a, a serious performance. And if we can replicate that this weekend, we'd be very pleased. Um, we, I think we're pretty pleased with how the season's gone, to be honest. Um, we had a couple of bad games, sort of games three and four for us. Um, but overall, we, we felt pretty good with our, our batting lineup this year. Um, Dougie Rice scoring millions of runs and uh, a couple of good signings, Pete Richer and Zaheer Huss, uh, also you know been been great for us this year.
1: Ed, fancy chances in the APL against uh, against Cambridge, maybe? Well, in a couple of years, <laughs>
2: um, maybe. Let's um, let's see how we let's see how we do this year first. I don't want to don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, yeah, it would be great to play some of the the, the better sides um, around the region um, in a couple of years. If, that, if that's what Histon want, it may, it may not be. Um, I think quite a few of the lads enjoy playing at 12.30 um, in and around Cambridge as opposed to tracking off to deepest, darkest Norfolk
1: every other week. So we'll see. Our Norfolk listeners are now just turned off. Thank you very much, Ed Hyde. <laughs> uh, that's all we've got time for on this part of the show, wrapping up the low game. We'll continue the chat with the East Anglian and Premier League sides after the break, uh, as we hear from, as said, Johnny Axe Cambridge as well. We'll also be putting Ed against Nick in the latest Beat the Guest, even though that doesn't quite work, quiz. Cambridge
5: 105 Radio
1: From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio Welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Let's continue to round up our local Reid Brothers East Anglian Premier League clubs then and start with Cambridge as they defeated Great Wichingham by a very narrow margin indeed on the weekend. Three runs was all it was and Cambridge batted first posted 279 for five but a forfer from Zuman Akhtar helped restrict Great Wichingham to 276 for eight despite a turn from Sam Artherton. Vice-captain Johnny Atkinson who scored a 50 in the match said despite not being able to qualify for the player final they certainly won't be taking their foot off the gas over the next couple of weeks.
5: Really pleased with the victory against Great Wichingham, considering they beat us uh, in the first round of games. We, we thought we batted quite well, and actually showed really good fight to win win the game in the end. Because at one stage, they looked like they were cruising it with two uh, really good set batsmen um, going quite easily. But we knew if we just got one or two wickets, then then the game could change. And yeah, it proved that way. We want to try and finish as high as we can. If we can beat Swarston um, again on Saturday, that would be really good for us like just knowing that we can beat a side like that. But yeah, and just like try and enjoy it and, and enjoy playing cricket while we can and, and making the most of it. Well well obviously we don't really need to get, get up for that. It's a local local derby so we're always up for that and, and keen to keen to beat them. So yeah, we're, we're, my we're by sort of stepping our game down as we can't finish top. I think there's lots of positives to take from the season, the wins that we've done and actually the games we've lost I think there's easy improvements to make in particular with like people being available. But Some of the wins we've we've had are really good. So um, some new players that are going to be around for a few years and sort of start to build a bit of a new team. And um, yeah, already looking forward to sort of next season and planning for that as well. Yeah, Cambridge
1: travel to Swarston this weekend, so a tricky one for them. Well, Morden were involved in another loss on the weekend. That's three on the bounce for Ben Harris's side. Sudbury batted first and put 303 on the board just for the loss of seven wickets. And Safamorden were 211 all out in 47.4. But Ben Harris did give a number of debuts for some Safamorden youngsters. And he said he hopes they'll work harder in the winter following the taste they've been given of first team cricket.
4: Tough weekend, Ollie. Um, missing a few players, obviously. Doesn't help. Our availability's been a bit mixed and matched this season. Chopping, chopping and changing nearly every week, three or four players. It's just been one of those years. But credit to Sudbury, they batted well. They took advantage of some... Um, probably not... We weren't as disciplined as we should have been with the new ball, given the fact that we only had one of our new ball bowlers playing. A couple of bowlers short. Um, the fact that those guys kind of missed the mark a little bit, put pressure on a lot of the youngsters and bowlers who probably don't normally bowl with the new ball. We kind of pulled it back. I think they were destined for 3.50 at one point, but no, we did a right to pull it back. A young chap called Henry Rodder, who's been playing in the twos, has played well. His first over, bless him, went went for 18. He bowled a few no balls and stuff like that, but I think there was a few nerves early on. And then he came back in for a second spell and what, a 35th over or something, which is obviously quite a tricky time to bowl, obviously, when they're looking to up the run rate. And um, he bowled well. He bowled six straight and took a couple of... Key wickets as well, and I think his next six overs he bowled two for twenty odd, which is pretty good at that that time of the game. A couple of other guys probably maybe playing a season too early, if that makes sense. But it was all good experience for them, and hopefully they'll they enjoyed it and they'll work hard in the winter and push for push for more first team cricket next season. You know, there's not an awful lot to play for this season, but you saying that you'd obviously be happy if you won it, and obviously you'd be disappointed if you came last. So I think. Obviously avoiding the, the wooden spoon spots, obviously the main goal. But, you know, I'm pretty hopeful we can get a, a win this weekend.
1: Southampton host Bury St Edmonds on this coming weekend. Now, Sawson and Babraham are potentially just two wins away from winning the East Anglian Premier League this season. On the weekend, just gone, they had a very narrow win over Berry. A four-run victory it was, posting 193 for nine off their 50 overs and bowling Bryce and Evans out in the last over for 189. However, this weekend, it's a bit of a free hit. They take on Frinton, and even if they lose, they can still reach the APL Player Final with a win over second-place Sudbury next weekend. So let's hear from Captain Dan Heath. Firstly, he reviews that tight four-run win over Berry on the weekend just gone.
0: In a close game like that, you never know which way it's going to go. I think even though um, we got what we considered a decent score on quite a tricky pitch, they were ahead of the game for quite a lot of it in the chase. But I always felt like we had a chance and I knew that if we could get a couple, then it might open up an end and we could kind of tie, tie the victory down. In that, in the 48th over, I pretty much thought we had it. And then unfortunately, it was an expensive over. I brought them back into it under a runner ball. And then to be fair to us, the first two balls, of the last over... We got two wickets to win the game, so yeah, it was a It's nice, always nice to win those, and I think we win those off the back of just winning quite a lot of cricket over the last couple of years. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a great win and nerve, a nerve wracking one. To be honest with you, I didn't even want to find out when and if there was a final, really, because we I always like I liked us to, and we have been the underdogs all season, regardless of where we are. We are the underdogs when you're the first when you're new new to a league. No one expects much of you, and, and we. have We've worked off that all season. So um, we've not really wanted to know when and where there was a final. Now we know when there is. Obviously, there is something to play for. Um, And like I say, we've worked hard. I think the win last week was our best win for a few years. And that's now put us into that position where we have got a free hit where... Yes, if we win this Saturday and sub we don't win, then that's it, it's done and dusted. We don't expect that to be the case. You know, we expect that it's going to go down to that last game somehow. Um, and yeah, these are sort of games you want to play in. So, you know, bring it on, we're excited for it. And if we can get to a final, amazing. If we don't and we just miss out on come second, then it's, it's equally as good a season, really, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yes, yeah, so for Saucen and Bayram, they travelled to Frinton-on-Sea this weekend. The other crucial match in the South group is Sudbury, who are away to Cockdock and Old Itzwichi. and It could be all done and dusted this weekend if Sudbury lose and Sorceton win. The other way around, and Sauston could still qualify next weekend. And lastly, just to let you know, Burnley-Lexing suffered another defeat on the weekend. It was a nine-wicket loss after being bowled out for just 44 against Mildenhall. This weekend, can they get that first win of the season? They host Great Wichingham. Exning Park. Let's move on to the quiz and the beat the guest quiz. The sort of meaning of that title is slightly irrelevant this week because Callum isn't here. Um, but Ed Hyde stepping in for Callum Guest will still be trying to beat the guest in Nick. And uh, Nick Head will be trying to beat Ed Hyde. Anyway, this week's quiz is another round of Who Am I? I will ask each of you three questions. All the answers this week will all be current players. I'll read out three clues. If you stop me after the first clue and want to give your answer and guess correct, that's six runs. After the second clue, it's four runs. And after the last clue, it's just the one run. However, if you give me an incorrect answer, it goes on offer to the other person. So guess carefully and strategically as well. I must accept your first answer as well. All clear on the rules, guys? Yeah. Uh, Nick, as the guest, uh, would you like to go first or second?
3: Uh, yeah, I'll go 1st Okie Okey-dokey.
1: Are you ready for your first clue
3: yeah I am
1: here we go this man is a batsman who averages just under 50 in international T20 cricket at a strike rate of just under 148 now you can give me your answer now or you can wait for another clue uh,
3: one more clue please
1: yeah this batsman has recently moved from number 5 in the world rankings in international T20 cricket to number 1 uh, can I guess Darren Milan you can guess David Milan, and you are correct to guess David Milan. One point on the board for Nick. Congratulations. Ed, a little bit of pressure. Just to read out the last clue, it was scored his seventh international T2050 with a score of 66 in the first T20 versus Australia. Ed, are you ready for your first clue?
2: Yeah, far away.
1: This man is the third best test batsman in the world. Take a punt, or are you ready for another clue? Uh,
2: another clue, please,
1: mate. He is included in both the T20 and ODI squads for Australia's trip to England.
2: Um... Yeah, can I, have a, can I have a stab? Go on. Is it? I've got a hunch this is wrong, but is it Steve Smith?
1: You're going with Steve Smith. Unfortunately, that is wrong, Ed. Mm. So when I read out this last clue, we'll then go on off uh, to Nick. This man extended his contract in June with Glamorgan for the 2021 season.
3: That Mola Slabache.
1: That is correct Nick. Well done. You are currently on 5 points, 4 points in the first and you've stolen a point off Ed. So well done there. Ed slip behind at the first hurdle. Still plenty of time, don't worry. <laughs> Ready for your second one Nick? Yeah. This man is a county bowler with over 500 first-class wickets. Uh, can I take a punt? Go on. Darren Stevens. Come with Darren Stevens. And he's correct as well. <laughs> it's a very good punt indeed, taking you on to 11 points. I'll read out the last remaining two clues. recently took nine wickets for his county against Hampshire in the Bob Willis Trophy. And the final clue signed a one-year extension at Kent, taking him beyond his 45th birthday. So a big statement early on from Nick, who was not backing his chances much in this quiz. Ed, you ready?
2: I'm ready under the cosh there, Yeah, go on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this man is a batsman who has scored over 20,000 first-class runs.
2: I think I need another clue, another clue there.
1: In 2015, he became only the second player to be involved in five Ashes wins. I'll have to have another one as well. He played his last Red Bull match for Warwickshire this week following the announcement of his retirement.
2: Ian Bell, I think.
1: You are correct with Ian Bell there, Just the one run, though, I'm afraid. But still Off nice to mark. be on the board. Exactly that. So currently, Nick is on 11, Ed is on 1. But it can all change heading into the final two questions. You ready, Nick? I am, yeah. yeah. This man... Is a spinner, who's a joint leading wicket-taker, who was the joint leading wicket-taker, in the group stages of the Caribbean Premier League.
3: Uh,
1: I'll need another clue, please. He was the first male cricketer born in the 21st century to play international cricket. Was the first male uh, cricketer born in the 21st century yeah, to play international I'll need, cricket. Yeah, I'll need one more. I'm struggling here. He's an Afghanistan bowler who played for Middlesex in the T20 Blast last year. Uh, so Rashid Khan going with Rashid Khan unfortunately that's not right I'm afraid mm. no clues left to read out but it will go on offer to Ed uh, um, uh, Rahman I'll give you it Mujib Ur-Rahman is the correct answer yeah. I'm sure that's what you meant a point to Ed Hyde <laughs> that's right Kant are you ready for your final question
2: yes please
1: following St Kitts and Nevis Patriots exit from the Caribbean Premier League uh, this franchise star batsman joined up with the Mumbai Indians team on Tuesday to take part in the IPL
2: another clear please
1: he's an Australian batsman omitted from their white ball squad for the Tour of England
2: Ah. Oh. This is, a. have got no
1: idea, but Chris Lynn. Gone with Chris Lynn. And that's correct, Ed. A nice finish to the quiz with four runs. Takes you on to six. However, unfortunately, it's not enough to beat your Cambridge Uni colleague, Nick Taylor, who finished on 11. Nick, how do you feel?
3: Uh, surprised, got to be
1: honest.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting a good result there, but... Um... Yeah, got a couple away early on. Set up the game. Ed, pretty
2: gutted. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I was confident against Nick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm staggered. I really am. Not only is he the from the earlier New Year's Day quiz reigning champ, but I believe I believe we did a quiz, didn't we, Ed, last time as well when you came on for of the lockdown podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's um. It's tough to take, but that's back.
1: I'm sure we'll have you on again and you'll be back to your quizzing best anyway. <laughs> so Nick Taylor beats the guests. So as far as Callum concerns, when he returns, he'll have two losses to his name. Unfortunately, Ed Hyde hasn't managed to, <laughs> to do him any favours at all. But Nick Taylor, congratulations. After the break, we'll be chatting England as we look ahead to their ODI series against Australia. Of course, the world champions in action. It's nice to say that. And uh, we'll also get Nick's big question too. from the pavilion on Cambridge 105 radio yeah welcome back to from the pavilion on Cambridge 105 radio let's turn attention to the wider picture the national game and talk England and of course they won their t20 series against Australia 2-1 the attention now turns to the ODI series Let's just run you through the squad for that. Owen Morgan, Johnny Bairstow, Tom Banton, Sam Billings, Joss Butler, Joe Root and Moeen Ali make up the batsmen. The bowlers are as follows. Joffre Archer, Tom Curran, Adil Rashid, Sam Curran, Chris Wokes and Mark Wood. The three reserves, Joe Denley, Saki Mahmood and Phil Salt. Joe Denley, bless him, is still carrying drinks around, which he pretty much has been all summer. Ed, who makes your starting 11 though? I think last summer... England went for in the World Cup sort of midway through the tournament and then up to the final they dropped Moeen Alley, didn't they and went for four seamers in Wood Archer Wokes and Plunkett Stokes as well of course and just the one spinning Rashid Um, do you think they'll go with that this time or do you think they'll bring Moeen back into the fold?
2: Um, I think they might they might bring Moeen back into the fold just because he hasn't played that much cricket recently and the cricket he has played he maybe hasn't performed um, as well as they'd like so one, a solution to that is give him more game time um, towards the end of the season. So I'd like to see him play, um, but you never know on these on the sort of late autumn pitches, greener pitches, they may, may go for more Seam-dominated attack.
1: Nick, for you?
3: Yeah, for me, I think I'd probably go Rashid and then and then Seam, personally. Yeah, I think, I think that's what I'd
0: have to go with.
1: Obviously, the difficulty for England this time is balancing the team with no Stokes. So, you're looking at possibly who can make up an all-rounder. Obviously, you've got the likes of Chris Wokes, probably Sam Curran more than Tom Curran. Are you looking at those two potentially to fill that Stokes
5: role, Ed?
2: I think so, yeah. I think Wokes had a good summer, uh, both bat and ball. Um, and then they seem they seem to be keen on on Sam over time at the moment. So, I think any two of those 3 we'd probably take. They're, both, they're, they're all handy players.
1: Yeah, looking at the age of the side as well, it, I think often when a World Cup's finished, I mean you look at the last World Cup for England, there's often a bit of a, a rejig, wipe the slate clean and start again. But given the age of a lot of England's players, they seem to be able to, or they would seem to be able to last into that next World Cup uh, in 2023. But of course, in between that, you've got the T20 World Cup. So Nick, should England's attention really be on that? Should they be playing, even though it's 50 overs? should they be playing their T20 play? Should they be trying to shape their side for that T20 World Cup next year?
3: Uh, I suppose there's an argument that, that you might do that. Um, I guess it's always nice to have a look at, at some new players. You've got a lot of talent in Tom Banton. Um, but I think you've also, you've got to pick your strongest side. So I think you've got to, got to look at the format and at least, you know, maybe in the third game if you've if you've won the series, uh, maybe you have a look at, you know, rejig things a little bit just to, to, with an eye to, to next year. But I think first goal's got to be to win the series.
1: Yeah, I suppose for, obviously, 50-ever cricket is not like T20 cricket, hence the one complete difference in in rules and obviously name. Um, But there will be elements of the game that you could bring across to both formats. So, for example, in the power play, England generally go pretty hard in both. So, Ed, would you maybe try and, I don't know, expose some players in the, the white ball side to give them game time ahead of that T20 World Cup next year? Again, if you bring in maybe a player with five overs to go, that's a similar situation to what they might be exposed to in a T20 game. Yeah, um,
2: I think that's a good point. There's, there's, uh, I think Phil Salt's just been added to the reserves, um, the ODI squads, um, and he did well in a warm-up game against Ireland, I believe. Um, so yeah, exposing him to the international scene as well as giving Banton, who's 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 recently on the scene, more game time, um, I think is a good idea because they could play in both teams. Um, but you've also got some old timers like Jay Root, who was left out of the T20 squad and he'll be wanting to make a point. I think if he gets the nod in the 50 over team to say, look, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still scoring a lot of runs and I want to play in all formats of the game. Um, So it's a a difficult balance um, and a few
1: difficult decisions for, for Ed Smith and Owen Morgan. Yeah. I just want to quickly touch on that T20 series, actually. Um, England played two spinners predominantly with Adil Rashid, who was excellent, and Moeen Ali, who, to be fair, didn't bowl that much, if not at all. So generally, only really went with Adil Rashid. Then for the last match, brought in Joe Denley, who, of course, adds another spinning option. Are you not surprised, Nick, with the T20 World Cup next year being in India? With that pitch, it was the same wicket for the three games, so it was probably more conducive to spin than most T20 wickets they'd play on. That they potentially didn't utilise their spin options, maybe a bit more, or give Joe Denley a game maybe a bit more, and then of course someone like Matt Parkinson as well. He wasn't even in the T Twenty squad. So how do you see the the spin options ahead of that World Cup next year?
4: I think
3: uh, yeah, I think for me T Twenty, it's it's always nice to bowl plenty of spin. Um, I also think within a T Twenty, in in some respect, bowling is more important than batting. Um, so. To me, you'd want to pick your two or even three best spin, spin bowlers, um, probably ahead of um, someone like Denley, uh, if you were picking him because he's a bowling option. Um, so that, that's what I'd go with probably um, Rashid and Moeen and potentially even Parkinson.
1: You're interested to see how Parkinson's involvement or what Parkinson's involvement is in the squad over the next uh, 12 months leading up to that uh, World Cup in India next year. Um, with regards to your big question, Nick, the, the final part of the show, uh, do you want to to tell us what it is and then we can have a good old natter about it?
3: Yeah, so my my big question is about uh, town alongside Gown as opposed to <laughs> versus Gown. So it's how can university cricket and club cricket in Cambridgeshire uh, work together for the benefit of both
1: and, and with regards to the two at the minute other than I guess players so Ed's playing for Cambridge Uni and Histon there's a, some sort of link there whether or not there's a collaboration between the two clubs but Ed plays for a club side and and of course the Uni side is there any other links than that at the moment are are the two quite linked quite nicely together or is there quite a separation
3: um so to me I mean you've got uh, certain Cambridge clubs using college grounds you've certainly got the use of the Fenner's indoor school in the winter um, quite a few Cambridge clubs make use of that uh, and as you say you've got overlap between uh, university players and MCCU players and the Whiting's League and the East England Premier League
1: and uh, Ed for you is that enough I, I, I guess are we talking about potentially uni's offering up their facilities more so for the club grounds, or is it vice versa?
2: I think a bit of both. It probably touches on what Chris German said um, last week. I think about maybe colleges opening up their grounds for for local club sides. Um, but yeah, I think I think more can be done in terms of getting university players um, club cricket on a Saturday. A lot of university fixtures are on a, on a Sunday or in midweek, um, and I I think that playing club cricket in and around the local area. Um, it's great practice um, and it keeps you in the game. And it's, um, you know, it's another game, um, you know, you're playing more cricket than say people at other universities or people in the squad who you might be fighting for a place for.
1: And take your club, for example, Nick in Cambridge. Um, of course, Clare College didn't allow yourself to use their ground this year. Um, obviously partly due to COVID and partly because Cambridge United use it as their training ground as well. And the safety measures or the increase in safety measures that would then bring if two or I guess more clubs will, will be able to use it um is there then an option are you looking around for grounds could there be a a, a potential way a university could help you out in offering you their services maybe be this year next year and beyond
3: yeah so one of the things I was thinking about when I posed the question is is potentially clubs forming partnerships like that where perhaps uh you get an overseas player to come in and do work as a batting consultant say or a bowling consultant um and come in and help out with the coaching in that way and maybe in return um the university would probably be keener on things like uh pushing college grounds out for club sides or or perhaps even use of fenners for finals days and maybe even um sort of some club fixtures
1: yeah, I guess the perception, Nick, is that the universities and the university club are going to be awash with money. So potentially if this partnership was to happen with local clubs, it would be, I guess, quite easy for the university, uh, universities to do. Um, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the prices for the grounds being quite high as well. Is is, is that very much the case? Is that is that perception right?
3: So my, my perspective on that is that... Uh, so the colleges tend to have money but it's not necessarily allocated to sports. The university and the university sports department and the cricket club um, are probably seen to have a lot of money but it it tends to be the colleges that are are where a lot of the wealth is found within the university. Um, So I think that perception isn't always spot on. Um, And I think that's reasons why, you know, it could be really mutually beneficial to look at a system where, um, you know, the university can benefit from the vast sort of talent and experience within Cambridgeshire and East Anglian club cricket. But then also, you know, some of the amazing university facilities could then be, um, I believe they should be made a little bit more accessible or at least open to that option um, to club sides that would benefit from that.
1: Sure. And I think, Chris Jones mentioned in a few weeks ago about the, the juniors as well, that the, the youngsters involved in Cambridge are having that opportunity to use those college pitches and playing on better pitches, and pitches than they are doing. Ed, playing devil's advocate to us, of course, there'll be sides or people listening in saying, well, we're not a club in Cambridge, l- like yourself, say Histon, for example. How can we create a partnership with a, a university ground or, uh, or the university potentially if, if we're not involved in Cambridge? Surely it may then become an exclusive club. For those just in the centre of Cambridge,
2: potentially, but I don't think I don't think necessarily uh, location or geography um, is you know is going to exclude that many clubs. If if clubs get in touch with with the university, and the university gets in touch, it's very much a mutual thing. Um, they can definitely help each other out. Um, so say a Histon or a Burwell gets in touch with the union and says, "Look, have you got any players?" And we say, oh, yes. Have you got any guys that might be interested in, ha- you know, maybe coaching, like Nick said, as a batting consultant or something like that, or having a preseason friendly uh, before the, the club leagues and uni fixtures start? Um, so there's, de- there's, yeah, potential for all clubs, irrespective of their location, uh, to get involved and for, for, for us to both help each other out.
3: Yeah, I think, I think the point about preseason friendly... This is a really good one. Um, so last year, uh, um, for historical reasons, we play a few um, London-based Premier League sides that the that the University Cricket Club have links to. But I actually think there's real value in potentially some of the Whiting's One or the East Anglian Premier League, Cambridge clubs uh, trying to trying to look at fixtures with those, and that would give them an opportunity to introduce themselves to the Cambridge players, so that actually you know, it gives them a look at, okay, here's an opening bat, we, you know, maybe, maybe Sauston or, or Burwell or whoever are looking for an opening bat and they see one in Cambridge Uni and they can say, would you like to come and play for us? And that gives that uni player access to a great club cricket setup in Cambridgeshire. Um, and it gives us a, a sort of a local friendly at the start of the season. Uh, I think that could be a really sort of beneficial thing to, to look at for next year.
2: I think uh, some clubs might say, well, uh, the uni guys, they might go home in the holidays or may only be around for a few years. And that, that might be the case. Um, but there are also players that, that stay around having finished their time at, uh, at uni in Cambridge uh, and, st- and stay around and play for years. Um, there's David Noble at Histon who did that for, for 10, 10 or so years. Um, and more recently, Cal Guest at, at Sawston. Um, he's played there and you know Ben Seabrook at Barry. so there may be guys that are only here for three or four years but there'll be guys that stay around uh, and sort of stalwarts of um, Cambridgeshire cricket for, for a long time um, so they can contribute in the long run as well
1: but also if you're investing in in time obviously not talking money but time into that player uh, for example you could maybe coach maybe for example say the other way come a player from the uni side comes and coaches at a, a local club of course, you may get that player just for three years, but the benefit then the juniors get for being coached by that player was then is you know, everlasting. It's it's X amount of time, um, and also just from a very very taking all the way down to not quite the bottom of the CCA leagues, but near enough with uh, the team I play for in Blundersham. Uh there's nothing more really we love on a, in, on a in the middle of the summer in a midweek than than having the chance when we look at our fixture list for our midweek games and seeing all we're playing it. Fitzwilliam or, or or a college ground, and it's you know it's a really great experience just to plan some some well not only in the middle of Cambridge of course you've got a bit of the travel but that's the part of the fun and uh, and playing on some cracking grounds as well. Yeah, absolutely. Ed, Nick, thank you very much for your time. Well done, Ed, on your first shift as co-host. Did very well indeed, and you're more than welcome to come back again if Callum is ever away and step in as co-host. Although you do need to up your quizzing game. <laughs> Nick, Ed, thank you very much and congrats once again on the varsity win. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Ed. Thanks,
4: Ollie.
1: So, just before we go, we've got enough time to run up the CCA leagues and they're involved in the playoffs this weekend, just gone. Now, well, these are the winners of the playoffs top division, so the first place team in each. Let's start with A versus B and go so on. Well, congrats to Royston, who defeated Chatteris. In that one. Long grasshoppers, you were victorious, as were Fordham, as were Ramsey, Rickling, Rambers, Little Downham, Elmden, Sorcna Bayram 3s, well done to you. Milton, second team, Ellsworth, were first. And finally, Cambridge NCI 3rd-11. So congrats to all of you. We'll do a proper roundup, a full comprehensive roundup when the season fully shuts down at the end of September, around October time. But in the meantime, congratulations, and hopefully you've enjoyed your shortened season nonetheless. That's all we've got time for this week. Just to let you know what's coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio next, is Tim Willett with the new music generator from 7 until 9. With regards to sports coverage, well, Saturday, as Cambridge United return to league action at the Abbey Stadium, so does the Cambridgeshire Football Show. It's back 1 o'clock, a new time slot Saturday to preview your weekend's action. Cambridge City and Histon also back in action to round up all your grassroots fixtures too. Then on Sunday, in another new time slot from the terraces, one o'clock for this season on Sunday. Again, we'll provide you with a comprehensive roundup of the weekend's football action and preview ahead to the women's team, Histon Ladies in action this weekend. And then, of course, next Wednesday, we'll be back from the Pavilion with another episode. Hopefully, Callum will be back. He's got a bit of catching up to do with the quiz, considering he's lost another week. And until then, if you missed any of today's show, you can listen and catch up on the Cambridge 105 radio website and find the podcast or on our social media pages at FTP Cricket 105. We've got loads of podcasts. We chatted with Max Holden last week, so make sure you check those out. Until next week, when you hear from us once again, stay safe and well. Bye-bye.
0: Cambridge 105